welcome to Wild Hearts with Janine. I'm Janine, the host of this podcast, and I'm so glad that you are tuning in today to this episode because it is going to be a lot of fun and also possibly embarrassing (laughs) because we're talking about what we wish we would have known when we were in college. And for me, college was, I guess I graduated eight years ago. Whoa, that's crazy. And our get- my guest today is my friend Katie Bulmer. And I'll let her introduce herself, but I'm just really excited because she is super passionate about college-age students, particularly college-age women. And she does a lot of work and ministry and speaking to that age group and has a lot more insight than I do. So I'm really excited to jump right in. So hi, Katie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Thanks for being willing to be on. I'm so glad you're here. I would love for you to just take a few minutes to introduce yourself, maybe um, share a little bit about who you are, where you live, what you do, and a fun fact. Okay. Hello, guys. My name is Katie Bulmer. I I have several different hats, I always say. So when people ask, what do you do? I'm like, give me a minute. (laughs) So I was in marketing and advertising basically my whole grown-up life. I've worked in TV, print, and radio advertising. And that transition into what I do, my most passion job, which is I'm a speaker and author to sorority women. All of that got birthed from my marketing background. And I saw this incredible trend-setting power that sorority women have. And I was Mm -hmm. like, imagine if they could use this power for more than just cute (laughs) t-shirts. So I love to empower sorority women. And that's um, my passion job. I'm also a yoga instructor. I got certified to teach yoga probably about five years now. So I have three money-making jobs. Most, you know, obviously just a little bit here and there. And then I have, I'm a mom. We have two daughters. They are 10 and 12. I'm a wife to Brian. He works at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. So we love college students, both of us. And yeah, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, not far from you in Nashville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's that's the highlights. I, uh, I mentioned Chattanooga, yeah. Yeah, and uh, as soon as, just FYI, everyone, we're recording this during the pandemic. So we're all sheltered in place. So as soon as that is up, we should definitely be scheduling a date to get together because we really are only a couple hours away. Yes. And explore all the beautiful areas and hikes around here. I know there are so... Chattanooga is one of my favorite cities. I feel like it's such a little hidden gem. There's so much to offer there. I'm partial, but I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you share... I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but how do we know each other? Yeah. I was just trying to remember that as well. We have a mutual friend, Ansley. Shout out to Ansley Britton. Her... And you and myself and a friend named Liz, we all had, we called it a mastermind group. I don't know if it was or not, but basically we just got on calls once a week, I think just to encourage each other and bounce ideas. We all kind of work from home and just kind of having a coworker atmosphere, yet all being vir- virtual. So that was, it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I remember I felt like I didn't belong only because you guys all had like things you were doing. And I was like, I don't know. I'm traveling. <laughs> you totally do cool things. You're like the essential cool kid. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But it was really fun to get to meet that way. And you guys have actually heard from Ainsley before. She was on episode four of Wild Hearts with Janine. So if you haven't heard her episode, make sure to tune in. I'll link it in the show notes. But I am so glad that she introduced us. Oh, me too. Ainsley's the best. She, <laughs> she yeah, really she's is. A great connector. And that was a great just time period just to hang out with those I don't know, I feel like powerhouse of women, you included, <laughs> to be able to, you know, bounce ideas off each other. We're only as smart as the people we hang out with, right? So yeah, that was really good. Yeah, there was a lot that we got to learn from one another. I'd highly recommend for all of you guys, if you're 
kind of working on something or even dreaming about working on something, just connecting with a small group of kind of like-minded people. I would ideally say like-minded women if you can to just encourage and uplift one another. And also just like the ideas that you can get from what other people are doing or just hearing another person's perspective can be so helpful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just heard someone say something about your, it's the books you read, the places you go and the people you hang out with like that. That's good stuff. Oh, it's so good. Well, I have one more question before we we pop into our topic. And that is, where is uh, your favorite place you've ever been or a place you're hoping to go? Okay, this one's easy for me. (laughs) The Grand Canyon. And it's funny. It's so easy because it just came up on my time hop actually a year ago today which is crazy because, of course, we can't travel anyone in our, anywhere in our current situation. But mm-hmm. a year ago today, I got to go to the Grand Canyon. And it's such a cool opportunity because it came up because I got to speak at University of Northern Arizona. So oh, cool. they reached out for me to speak. And I'm like, wait, you're an hour from the Grand Canyon? Yes, I'm available. And can my family <laughs> you? And so, of course, we covered the expense of my family coming. But it was such an incredible opportunity to go do what I love to do, speak to sorority women and bring my family to see one of the most beautiful places on planet earth. So for sure, the Grand Canyon was a highlight. It was it was wonderful. I So when I moved, oh gosh, I feel like I've moved a lot of the last few years, but when I left Nashville the first time and did my road trip back over to California, I actually stopped at the Grand Canyon because I'd never seen it. I did the uh, South Rim, yeah. South Bend. It was amazing. Yeah. It was just so spectacular. So yeah, if you guys don't already have that on your list of places to see before you die, I would definitely add it because it is gorgeous. Yeah, and no words can't describe it. And like pictures, you just have to see it. It's just, it's so vast and ginormous mm-hmm. and just breathtaking. And my kids kept saying, is this real? Is this real? And they're looking right in front of it. Like, is this real? It's so <laughs> It's pretty incredible. It's one of those things where you're like, how did this happen? Yes. You know? <laughs> That is amazing. Well, let's jump into our topic. We are going to talk all about our college years. So all the things that we wish we would have known in college. And, you know, there's a lot that we're both able to learn, but you way more than I just working with current college students. The struggles are different. You know, there's just everything. There are so many similarities and then so many differences, I'm sure. And I'm excited to hear you speak into those. So first of all, spoiler alert, everyone, neither of us are in college. (laughs) We are apparently adults. Real adults, I don't know. <laughs> the driver's license uh, does, but right, I don't know. Right. But we both really love to encourage that age group. So I'd love to hear from you. Why are you so passionate about college age students? Yeah. So I think that it probably roots in just because I was such a reckless college student, reckless, however, completely unaware that I had any power, could could mm. that trend, so to speak, could make any kind of difference. And it was just kind of this, I'm not a kid, but I'm not a grown up. And whatever I do during this time period doesn't really matter. And there's no consequences. And it just was like I was in a vacuum. And I didn't realize that my my actions had consequences for my later life. And I also didn't realize I could do good to show up in my later life. Like your young 20s is such a pivotal time. And it's such an irony of life, right? Because your frontal lobe isn't developed, <laughs> your area of reasoning and stuff. But yet so many college students walk out of college, you know, deciding what they're going to do for the rest of their lives, developing habits with money, developing habits with nutrition. A lot of times they choose who they're going to marry, which is sometimes a good or not good decision. Habits in general all along are set during those precious college years. And I had no idea that I was making decisions, some good and some bad that would later come up to 
bless or haunt me in my later life. And so I'm super, super passionate about them. But the, I guess the short version (laughs) is that I really, if ever, if ever in my entire life, if I have heard the voice of God, it was in the middle of a breakdown. If you've ever had one of those, like, you know, in the middle of your closet, throwing a sweater down, crying type of break. I mean, I haven't, I'm just, I'm asking for a friend, (laughs) but it it was one of those good old breakdowns. Uh, I was helping a homeless friend. I know that sounds crazy, but I was really involved with a mission. And there's a couple, there's a young lady named, well, I can't say her name. We'll call her Sarah. No, the young lady named Sarah. She was close to my age. She had two kids. And when I met her, she was escaping a crack house, no car, no job, no, you know, no nothing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to help her. And so myself and my friends came together and we were like all hands on deck and we got her an apartment and we got her a car. We got her a job. I was babysitting her kids while she was working. I mean, like she was going to be a success story. She got baptized in my church and Mm -hmm. she was so encouraging and so sweet. She was never a project though. Like truly she was one of my friends during all of this. But as the pieces came together, they slowly started to come apart. And I started realizing I wanted this life for her more than she wanted it. And Mm -hmm. on the day she was facing eviction, I was like, again, calling, okay, how are we going to help Sarah? Calling all hands on deck. How are we going to get some extra money for her? How can we get an extra job? And and she went pick up the phone. I'm like, what in the world? Surely she's out there working, you know, because she's her and her kids are about to be in the streets again. What is happening? I go over to her apartment and knock on the door. She was asleep, like slobber on the side of the face, hair messed up asleep at 11 a.m. on the day she's facing eviction. And she basically is like, you know, thank you for your help, but I've never stayed in one place more than a couple months. You know, we're just, we'll see what's next. I'm like, no, no, no. Mm. I felt like she was like my daughter. And so I went Mm. home. She was like two years younger than me. But I go home and I'm having my meltdown in the closet. Like, God, can't you see how hard I'm working to be such a good person? Like, what is happening? <laughs> and that is when, if ever I heard the voice of God, he's like, what? When did I ever ask you to do any of this? Like, when did you ever work? Like, homeless people know I made you to serve sorority women. Go share your testimony with sorority women. End of story. And I was like, oh, shoot. And now that I see who I was in college, who I am now, how I can help them, Mm. I don't even know what the heck I was ever doing. There are amazing people to serve homeless people, and that is their gift, and they should rock it, but I'm not that person. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that was my aha moment, and now I am serving sorority women as much as I can, and I've never, ever been more sure I am exactly where I'm supposed to be than what I'm doing and serving for sorority women. That is awesome. I went to a small private school, like Christian school, so we didn't have sororities and fraternities. So I'm super unfamiliar with that whole world. Were you in a sorority in college? I was. I was a mm. 80 pie. Shout out to my 80 pie sisters. <laughs> what were uh I'm throwing you a curveball on this one, but what were some of your favorite parts about being in a sorority? Well, goodness. I mean, looking back and then now, but I honestly, I went to college with sorority not even being on my radar. People think like to think that, you know, we have the legally blonde picture in our head with the blonde and the big pink hair bows. <laughs> but I went to college. I didn't even go through recruitment. It wasn't on my radar. Never even looked for the list of sororities available on campus. I was actually a snap bid. And basically what that means is they come to your door with balloons and singing songs and um, <laughs> ask you to be part of their sorority. I had no idea what was happening. I was like, is this a cult? Like, do I have to sacrifice a goat? Like, I don't understand. I actually told them no. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's so funny that I'm doing what I'm doing now. But <laughs> yeah. So obviously my, who has later become my big sister, came back to my apartment and convinced me to say yes. But once I said yes to it, it was my very first example to, of belonging to something bigger than myself. And that was so crucial for me because I never went to church. I wasn't involved in sports or anything. And my 18-year-old actions affected me and only me, or so I thought. And being a part of this sorority, I was representing these letters that I wore. I was representing my president and my big sister, and I was representing something bigger. And it was mind-blowing to me. And it was honestly, as crazy as it sounds, my first kind of glimpse into what it meant to belong to the church, what it meant to belong to this bigger body. Because like, again, my first experience of belonging to something bigger than myself, it was it was so cool. That is really awesome. I love that. I know, I kind of wish I would have had an experience <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, this is where it might get a little embarrassing. So okay. buckle up, everyone. What are some interesting stories, good or bad, that you can share from your college years? Okay, so this is really crazy, but when I was a senior in college, I lived in an apartment called Garden District. That's what it was called in our cute little college town. But I lived in Garden District, and my apartment number was 2201. And mm -hmm. this year, my senior year in college, was actually when I became a Christian. I was a wild sorority woman before this and went to this Greek girls' Bible study. And that's a whole long story there. But <laughs> living in Garden District, 2201. So fast forward. 10 years later, I was doing a college girls Bible study. And one of the girls in my, the college girls that I lead, she was a college student. She's like, well, we can all have it at my apartment. I'm like, great. I'll make brownies. It'll be wonderful. So she's like, come on over. It's at Garden District 2201. Like the exact same apartment, the exact same apartment number. Oh my gosh. 10 years later. I know. So the apartment I became a Christian in 10 years later, I got to go be a leader of a Bible study. In the same, oh my gosh. I know, isn't that wild? That is really cool. That feels very serendipitous to me. Yes, yes, it's so cool. Yeah. I know. It's just, I was like, I walked in. I didn't even put it together when she sent out the text to meet at that apartment. But I parked my car. And I'm like, wait, this looks really familiar. And like, walk up. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the same apartment that I lived in. So it's some serious deja vu. Yes. <laughs> I love that because I feel like that's such a full circle moment for you, yeah. right? Like, what a moment to think, like, huh. God is pretty cool the way he, he orchestrates things. I'm telling you, it's just wild. I haven't heard that story in forever. So thank you for helping me remember that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, just, just, uh, I'll share a couple of mine too. Yeah, so I'm trying to think like, it feels honestly like it was a lifetime ago that I was in college, even though I know it wasn't that long, but some stories I was just thinking through that came to mind were like a, one funny story is that there was when I was actually my senior, oh, was it my senior year? It was actually my junior year. I was an RA and you know, it was the week we were all packing up. It was after finals. We we're all getting ready to go home and I was packing up all my stuff and there was a snake in my room because <laughs> I was on a ground level and you know, we had rules in our dorms because I went to a small private school where you know, guys couldn't be in the girls dorms except for certain times of the day. But I freaked out and sort of broke the rules. <laughs> And asked some guys to come over and trap it or kill it. I don't remember what they did to it, but they got it out of that room. And that was pretty terrifying. Not a snake or spider person over here. So yeah, not my finest moment, but it got taken care of. And then a kind of cool story was I was a new Christian when I went started going to the school I went to. And I ended up on student leadership. And we had a moment during our training before the fall semester began. And 
they asked some of us to share our testimonies. And so I shared a a part of mine. And the student who was in charge of kind of coordinating our chapels, we had weekly chapels, asked me later if I would be willing to share it in chapel in front of everyone. And I was terrified because I really struggled as a, um, a new believer with just a lot of shame and unworthiness, which I know a lot of us do from time to time. And especially when we come into something new and feel like we have a lot of baggage that we bring with us from our quote unquote old life. Mm-hmm. But I very much felt like I was supposed to, regardless of how it made me feel, if that makes sense, regardless of like my nerves or my anxiety, I felt like I was supposed to do it anyway. And so I did. And it ended up being really cool because I don't talk about this a lot, but I actually, as a teenager, struggled with self-injury as a result of just depression and isolation. And I shared a bit of that from the chapel stage and ended up opening up a lot of conversations with other students who had never or felt like they never had someone to talk to about that themselves, which was really, really cool and made me realize it's really not about us. And it's all about what God wants to do through us and kind of started my passion for uh, speaking, which oh, I wow. is probably translated into this podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Look at that. That one brave moment. That's powerful. Yeah, it was really cool. And again, it was a moment of like, oh, he can orchestrate anything. And all I have, all we have to do is be willing to say yes, right? Yeah. So cool. So there's one embarrassing story and then one like fun kind of uplifting story. <laughs> yes, I love that. Okay. I'm really excited to ask this question. What are some things you wish you would have known when you were in college? Girl. <laughs> so, so many things. <laughs> so many things, of course. And this is, you know, why I'm so passionate because I, I've I mean, my parents were great. My my parents got divorced when I was eight. And so, I mean, I had a fine childhood, but I just felt like a lot of things I was just kind of left to figure it out yourself. And Mm -hmm. you do, but my guides were MTV and, you know, not very reliable sources, Cosmopolitan Magazine. So, (laughs) yeah. So I, one of the few things that I'm passionate about is telling young people that their voice matters because I see over and over young women who, have a passion or have some type of just something they want to share. They want to start a podcast or a blog or mm-hmm. whatever it is inside of them. They have something that they want to share, but they immediately tell themselves, well, who am I? And I'm not good enough and blah, blah, blah. And it frustrates me because I was that girl, first of all, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying if there are 700 voices saying the exact same thing you're saying, say like I, you know, suffered with self-harm, your story is still matters because mm-hmm. someone is going to relate to your story, then they will relate to the other girl sharing it for a million different reasons because of where you're from, because of your age, because of the way you look. You know, Brian will tell me all the time of this incredible thing he learned on a business podcast from a guy. And I'm like, cool. And I don't pay attention to him. And then I'll come, you know, a week later and be like, oh, listen to this incredible thing I just heard on a business podcast from a girl. And I just relate differently when I hear it from a female. It's Mm. not wrong. It's just I relate differently because of who it is. And so people will relate to you differently for a million different reasons. So that's one reason that your voice matters. And two, because you have a different set of circumstances. And there's just a million reasons why everyone's voice matters. And especially if you have a positive message, Mm. there are no lack of negative messages out there. And Mm -hmm. if we can suffocate those negative voices with the true and positive voices, 
then we can see some incredible things happen in this world. So if you have a positive voice, my friend, it matters. I'm mm-hmm. like over here doing strangle hands. Like, please listen. <laughs> it matters. It does. That yeah. is good. Yeah, 100%. And then also just with the dating, this is something I see all the time and something I did not understand as a college student that I didn't know that my heart was worth protecting. I didn't know that the decisions I made as a 19 year old would would show up, you know, in my in my past and just different things that play out in your head. And Mm -hmm. I would have told you I wanted this good Christian guy who protected his heart, protected his body, wanted to raise our children up in church. But meanwhile, I was dancing on the bar, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. wearing suggestive clothing and going home with whoever smelled good that night and bought me a drink. (laughs) And I'm like, how did I think? I was on a path. We're all on a path headed somewhere. And if I want to be on the path for what I told you I would have wanted, I was not. I was on a completely different path headed on a completely different direction. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. saying, yeah, yeah, I want to go north. Sure, I want to go north. Meanwhile, I'm driving south at 95 miles an hour. You know what I mean? (laughs) So our actions and our intentions are completely different. Like we can say all day long, we want to do one thing, but our actions are what determine that. So those are Mm -hmm. are the two big things for sure. Yeah, I yeah, those are really good. Those are way more insightful than the things I was thinking of. <laughs> no, I love it. It's perfect. Mine were like, this will pass. <laughs> like, it, it's not it feels like a really big deal right now. And that's okay. Like, allow yourself to feel it. But trust me, there are going to be more things, new things, bigger things just beyond this. I think I had a tendency to get real stuck in whatever was happening at the time. And could have used an older, wiser version of myself to tell myself it was going to be okay. And I should move along a little bit faster through the, the, the process of that. And then also, like, the world has a lot more to offer than you think it does right now. Like, there are going to be so many opportunities that are going to open up that you could never have seen coming. And it's just another indication where you can see God at work and the way he just totally perfectly positions you from one thing to another to another. Because then, you know, now when you're out of college, however many years you're out of college and you look back, you're like, oh, I understand now why I did that or why I met that person or why I experienced that because it totally set me up for where I went or where I am now. Yes, 100%. I look back (laughs) all the time thinking, wait, God, like, but I'm not a speaker. I'm not an author. I don't understand. And then I look Mm -hmm. back and I'm like, oh, but I spent three years in marketing, you know, or whatever it is. I'm like, oh, I get it now. It's always it's always hindsight. Yes, 100%. <laughs> well, what do you think are some of the biggest differences from when we were in college compared to now? Yeah, I like this question. So obviously, for me, social media, I got a, mm. a flip phone when I was in college, but it did not have, <laughs> I mean, we basically have computers in our pockets now. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. But actually, when I go to colleges, I always say something that when... My parents were Greek almost 50 years ago, about 47 years ago. My parents were Greek. And the theme music, so to say, the, the typical way of going Greek has mm. changed. And that to me, that means they're still having the parties and the booze and the heartbreak and the hangovers. And what's frustrating to me, though, is I see that the studies show us that this typical, this current generation typically wants and has this desire within them to serve and to be different and to stand out among their peers. However, they're still doing your typical Greek life stuff with partying and sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So I always say 47 years of the same thing, like it's over, guys. We're done. Like, let's think of (laughs) another way to go Greek. Let's redefine what it means to be a sorority girl and redefine what it means to be 
a frat guy because I'm all in favor of having fun, like 100%. Let's have fun. Let's have an 80s prom. (laughs) But we don't have to do all that reckless lifestyle. And it's time to get back. You know, the founding sisters of sororities didn't want a bunch of parties. They were talking about service. And they were actually almost all founded on Christian values. And it was just about this sharpening of each other and the getting back to iron sharpening iron and women who hold each other to a higher standard. And it's this new level of, no, sister, I will not let you party tonight because you need to study <laughs> for a test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, sister, I won't let you go home with that guy because you were too good for that. Like it's a an elevating each other, not a, well, I'm going to pour liquor down your throat. Like that is, let's over that. So. <laughs> Although social media has changed, when it comes to that, I always say that not much has changed. However, it is time for some change. Mm, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. I mean, I very much remember getting Instagram. I was a little late to the train because, I mean, I don't bring everything back to the Enneagram, but some things I definitely (laughs) do. And I'm a four. I'm a heavy wing three with my four, but like the part of me that's like, don't jump on the bandwagon when everything's cool is like so strong. So like my biggest kind of example of that was when Stranger Things was really big a few years ago. And I was Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm not giving in. It looks stupid. And then like eight months later, I watched it and I was like, wow, I'm really mad at myself (laughs) for not watching this when everyone else did. But I did the same thing with Instagram. Everybody else was getting it right. Like probably the my second semester of my senior year. And I didn't give in until like the day of graduation. (laughs) But I very much and now Instagram like is everything. That's like the one I mean, apart from TikTok, which again, that's one thing where I'm like, Oh, I'm old. I don't understand TikTok. (laughs) But yeah, social media has changed drastically and dramatically in the last 10 years. So yeah, that is a huge change for sure. And just the the ability to be so connected. I mean, I started blogging in college in uh, 2010. And like, that was a weird thing back then. Like the the whole um, kind of landscape of blogging is so different than it used to be. And it's only been 10 years. So yeah, I guess I didn't really I always think about how I wouldn't want to be a teenager right now with social media, I think it'd be really challenging. So yeah, I didn't even think about that's a huge difference between when we were in college versus now. I started my blog in 2010, too. I was just doing math <gasps> on it. I'm like, wait, we're blogs. Did you? Yeah. What blogging platform did you use? Oh, WordPress. Just to, did you? Yeah. Oh, I'm really proud of you. I definitely was like on Blogger. So like, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> like your entry level blogging platform. Well, I'm at Enneagram 3, so I had to have my own domain. I had to do it what I thought to be right, but I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the uh, common the common place where we live, though. It's like, you just do it anyway and exactly. see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, you mentor a number of college students. I don't know that number, but I know it's a lot because you do some one-on-one mentoring and I think also some group mentoring with sororities, right? So what have you learned about kind of the current triumphs and struggles they're facing today? Yeah. So obviously, like we talked about finding their voice, there's just so many young people who are just suffocated in self-doubt, really. And Mm -hmm. part of it's being young. Part of it is social media. That's something I didn't have to deal with, but they're constantly, well, she's prettier. She has more followers. Mm -hmm. She, and which is also not even really true because we have these filters and photoshops and and no one even knows who really is beautiful because (laughs) there's so many fake stuff out there. But Constant comparison, constant telling themselves they're not enough. So I always say, if I ever become irrelevant to sorority women, my next chapter in life is helping women understand and help them unlock their voice. 
because mm-hmm. I think so many women just have incredible passions, but they're suffocated in fear. And mm-hmm. fear is a stinky four letter word and I hate it. And I help women as much as I can squash that fear. And, you know, I still am afraid when I stand up on a microphone, I'm still afraid when I'm doing this podcast with you, I'm still afraid. But the only difference is you just keep walking forward with that fear, with that fear, instead mm-hmm. of letting fear suffocate you and you not move forward. So I think that that's the only difference. And I just try and help girls understand that. And then the other thing I see is them letting the guy be in the driver's seat when it comes to a dating relationship. And I'm all about chivalry and I'm all about a guy leading in some respects, like that's a good thing. But what I mean to be a bad way is it's like, well, I'll let him decide if we're boyfriend and girlfriend. I'll let him decide if he's calling me back. I'll let him decide you know, if this is going anywhere. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you have a voice too. And do you want this to go anywhere? Do you want him to call you back? You know, what are you wanting? Have you even thought about what you want? And a lot of times the girls don't even know, well, do I want this relationship to go anywhere? Or do I want to sit back and let him decide if he likes me or not? And that I get frustrated. I'm like, no, sister, you decide what matters. And it's interesting. I actually had a phone call recently with a guy who studies this from the scientific kind of academia PhD side. Mm -hmm. He studies species, humans, and everything else. And he's found that every species, the female is actually the decider in romantic relationships. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So he helps, you know, he's a guy, but he has a passion also to help women just say, no, like you have a voice in this. And if you don't like him, say, you know, thank you for the flowers. I'm out. (laughs) Like, it's okay to end it. It's okay to, I've had girls in four year long or more relationships after we talked and I'm like, I don't know if I want to advertise that, that I'm the girl that helps (laughs) girls break up with their boys. (laughs) (laughs) But if they're ending toxic relationships, then of course, yeah, that's good. And, but girls don't understand they're putting up with verbal abuse or being talked down to, or, or guys, have wondering eyes on their screens. That's a whole nother thing. Guys looking at pornography or stuff like that. And then girls are saying, well, it's okay because he's not quote unquote cheating on me. Girlfriend, he's looking at plastic images all day long and you want to be seen as his one and only. And he's just got 90 different comparisons. Like Mm -hmm. you can decide what matters. You step up for what, what you believe in and find your voice. And, and I always tell girls, Make a dating plan. What matters to you in dating? Is mm-hmm. it, does it matter that he's good with money? Does it matter if he is smart, is nice to his mama? Like all of these things, write it down, make a plan, but also do those characteristics define you? Because girls can say all day long, you know, I want a guy who works out and he's kind and chivalrous and blah, blah, blah. But are you kind? Do you work mm-hmm. out? Like, are these things that define you? So anyway, I have a lot to say about all of that. Obviously, <laughs> you hit a passion point. Those are the the main things anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I like that last point. We really do. We attract what we put out, right? Yes. If we are focused on the things, if we are focused on the things that are important to us, which would likely be the things that are important to us in a potential partner, then we're going to attract that back most likely. (laughs) So it can't just be about what you want in a partner. It has to also be about what you want to be, what that partner also wants. With, you know, and there should definitely be flexibility in all of that. Cause I feel like having, you know, a very structured list and then eliminating anyone if they just don't meet one part of it, unless it's the most crucial part of it, of course. But, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I was just thinking of a quote and I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the words, but something along the lines of like, 
you attract what you bait. Something along the like, like yeah. if you're if you're trying to get a certain type of fish, you use a certain type of bait. So you attract what you bait. There's there's probably a better <laughs> way to say that. Sorry. Hopefully <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's layman's terms. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I have one more question on our topic, and that is. Just what last pieces of advice do you have for listeners who are currently college students or future college students? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would say to always try and fill your brain with true voices. There are a million and one loud voices and there are not enough true voices. So what are you filling your brain with that is true? My podcast, as you know, is called Truth for Your 20s. And so I just try and provide a platform to give young people as much truths as I can. Mm -hmm. And truth is sometimes like, how do you even define that? I would encourage you to look for mentors and mentors don't even have to be one-on-one. The people who mentor me don't even know my name. They're people whose podcast I listen to or books that I've read. So there are incredible people out there and we've never lived in a time better when you can consume information from anyone you look up and respect on the internet. So fill your brain with true and positive voices, because that will 100% change the trajectory of your life. Even if it's 2%, think about 2% five years from now, that can be a completely different direction. So yes, true voices instead of loud voices. Ooh, yeah. True over loud. I love that. That is good. And FYI, if you are a college student or about to be one and you're listening, that will be true for the rest of your life. Yeah. (laughs) Always, always value true voices over loud voices. That is gold. (laughs) I'm going to write that one down somewhere so I see it all the time. Oh, man. Well, okay. I have three more questions. And these are ones I ask of every guest. So I'm really excited. We didn't talk about these beforehand. So I'm excited to get to hear your responses. And this will probably actually tie into what we just talked about. But let's make it more personal. So knowing what you know now, Katie, at... (laughs) At 40, (laughs) a very young 40. I want to look like you when I'm 40. What would you tell yourself 20 years ago when you were 20? Oh, man, I would just say, friend, you know, cling to what is true. Like we just said, define your worth. Don't let a guy define your worth. He is another sinful human being. He might be the greatest guy in the world. My husband is one of the greatest human beings on this world, but he is still an imperfect human, just like I am. And he cannot define my worth. He cannot fill all my broken places. There is only one savior and a human being is not one of them. Your boyfriend is not one of them. (laughs) So Jesus is the only person that can fill my broken places. Cling to that. Cling to what is true and don't get in a tanning bed. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, there must be a story there. Well, not really. I mean, thankfully, I didn't do that a whole lot, but I have just seen my friends now who did a lot of tanning when they were Uh younger and you can see the results and it was not a good decision. Oh no, that makes me nervous. (laughs) I, when in high school, one of my friends worked at a spa and we would go when she was working and get free tans. (laughs) I I only did it a few times, like before prom. I mean, I did it a few times too, but I would, I would never do it again. And my dermatologist actually when I was in college. So I think that's what saved me from not tanning more because I was like 18 and seeing adult men getting their ears cut off and stuff because of melanoma. And I'm like, not going in the sun. Thank you for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, who or what is inspiring you lately? Oh man. So my girl crush on the internet (laughs) (laughs) is Mo Isom. I don't know if you follow her. No, I've never heard of her. Oh, I'm excited. 
Yes, she wrote Sex, Jesus, and the Conversation the Church Forgot. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Wild Hearts with Janine. I had so much fun sitting down with Katie and talking about all the things we wish we would have known in college, including sharing some embarrassing stories. So whether you're a current college student, a recent college grad, or you are well into your 20s, or maybe even your early 30s like me, wow, that's crazy. I hope that you had fun listening to us, getting some encouragement, some inspiration, and hopefully a good chuckle in too, as you either reflected on your college experience or look forward to your future college experience. Well, guys, I will be back in two weeks. I'm going to be sitting down with my new friend, Kim Erickson, and we are going to be talking about grief. We're going to be talking about kind of the cultural expectations around grief, the process, and honestly, why we should ignore all of that and just let ourselves feel what we need to feel in our own time frame. So it's going to be a really great episode, a really important episode, and I cannot wait for you guys to get to hear from Kim. But until then, keep dreaming, seeking, and stepping out in faith.